Get ready. The DE Talk podcast starts now. Insightful conversations and dialogue helping you put the human factor back in HR. Conversations surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion remain the focus in 2023. But where do veterans fall into these plans? And how can employers keep them included in these discussions? We'll get down to the heart of veteran diversity and share how these men and women who bravely serve our country represent one of the most diverse hiring groups spanning culture, race, gender, disability, sexuality, age, nationality, and more. Hi, everyone. Kim Lott here, stepping into the podcast to discuss diversity, equity, and inclusion and how it relates to veterans. DEI initiatives are typically geared towards groups based on classifications such as culture, age, gender, sexuality, disability, race, and nationality. However, diversity encompasses so much more than the classes predicted under federal laws. Diversity is also about individuals contributing their unique experiences backgrounds, and ideas. Individuals like the men and women who serve in the United States military. So joining me in this discussion is Ms. Denise Lewis, the Director of DEIA Initiatives at Vet Jobs. Welcome, Ms. Denise. Hi, so excited to be speaking with you today. I want to give a shout out to Shannon, who is, is a bit under the weather, but Kim, you're also a delight, so I, I'm really looking forward to this. Well, thank you for that. I, um, I'm glad that you're okay with me stepping in today. I know that you're probably looking forward to having an awesome conversation with Shannon. He's the bomb. Um, but I'll tell you, I was very excited because I don't know if he shared with you, but I also am a, I'm a Navy veteran. Um, and reading through your bio, I can see that you are an Army brat, um, as it states, and an Army spouse. And uh, my oldest son is a lieutenant in the Army. So, um, obviously, I have a lot of love, a lot of love for, um, you know, military spouses, veterans, and those that do the work that you do. So, very excited to be speaking with you. Well, awesome. And I know on Army-Navy game day, sorry, but I'm going to have to get a shout-out right now. Go Army. Yeah. Beat Navy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It is very divided. We make a, we have a lot of fun with it. There's a lot of text messages that go around. So, yeah, absolutely. So, listen. You know, DE has been connected with Vet Jobs and Military Spouse Jobs, um, formerly Corporate America Supports You and Military Spouse Jobs, um, since 2010. So now, when I speak to Shannon, he says that we were the first, if not one of the first funders, and he has a lot of pride um, in that. So if you could just share with us a little bit about your personal background, and then what brought you to that job? So, you know, one, I was born and literally raised at West Point, New York. So again, go Army, beat Navy. Sorry, Admiral Kleffel. <laughs> um, you know, he's one of our Navy veterans, but... Um, you know, my dad was the enlisted aide for several uh, Corps of Cadet Superintendents uh, for over 15 years at West Point. 
which is unheard of to be able to be at one place, you know, for such a long time. Um, and then I later married a grad and then spent 32 years living all over the country um, in Europe and Asia. Phenomenal. What an experience. It really was a unique experience. Um, and then, so then circle back years later, a friend of mine that many of you know, Maria McConville, wife of the chief of staff of the Army, um, and she also sits on our Army Up Council for military spouse jobs. And, you know, one of the things that she's known for many years, she's known my, you know, struggle with employment, So, but she knew I was looking for a remote uh, opportunity, and military spouse jobs just happened to have a position open. So I applied, and the original job was for uh, a career specialist in the Norfolk area, and I had an interview, and then I didn't hear anything back, so I got a little nervous. And then I got a call from the uh, president of Military Spouse Jobs, Deb, and she said that I would be a better fit for the uh, to be the outreach person for the Army Up campaign. And then oh, wow. I said yes, and the rest is history. And the rest is history. It's so important to have those connections. I mean, it sounds like in this instance, you, you were able to leverage that um, and able to get into something. Um, and I am a little bit familiar with your, you know, your background, so I know that it wasn't always that easy, um, was it? I know there's periods where um, there's underemployment and then kind of difficulties um, getting into positions, which is inherent with being a military spouse. Um, and I know we're going to get into a little bit of that later. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but just that is awesome for you that you were able to get into that. Well, and you're right, that, you know, it's, it's a sister brotherhood, you know, even if you're not the veteran soldier, you know, on the spouse side, it, it is those interconnections that you make and, and you never know what opportunities present themselves from those relationships. Yeah. And I'm sure your organization, um, kind of fills that gap for people who don't have those relationships, you know, um, that yes. they can pull on. Yes, they really, really do because now that we're in a world that, you know, we don't really make those impersonal connections, you know, they're more mm -hmm. techno technological, um, so we are, you know, a, a great resource to, to those individuals. Wonderful. Um, now, I know you grew up in a military family. Um, as I stated, you know, even an Army retired spouse, um, very safe to say, you know, you're a lifelong Army supporter um, and have experienced challenges with employment that I kind of alluded to. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. So, you know, as a child, I really didn't know what, you know, it, it meant to be a spouse who was a supporter of their soldier. Um, you know, for me personally, my mom had a lot of medical issues, so and she was a bit of an introvert, so I didn't really know what that dynamic was, so I kind of had to figure that out on my own. Um, but I was totally blessed to have had that experience and opportunity, as I feel, to serve in a, in a volunteer capacity. Um, but, you know, education-wise, training and employment, 
I've got a bachelor's degree in business administration with strangely a concentration in equine management. I did have horses back in the day, um, but my, my, my body just doesn't heal like it used to. Um, and then I have a master's in management and leadership. I am a trained, I'm no longer certified, phlebotomist. And then I also have 30 hours um, at the uh, National Defense University of Leadership and International Relations. Um, And, you know, even though I have those, I I always thought it was important to either be busy or or find ways to fill gaps as as best as I Mm -hmm. could, as you know, for a lot of military spouses. Um, So... I would say my one dream job was um, a business manager at an equine facility, a federal equine facility at Fort Campbell, um, and it matched my passion and my degree. Go figure. <laughs> right. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, you know, because my commitment to my soldier, I, I had the job for a year and I had to move. Um, yeah. But then, you know, I've done things like substitute teaching, retail stocking, hotel desk clerk, drug rehab case manager, higher education administrator. (laughs) You know, I've kind of done the gamut, but I I will give a shout out to uh, Northern Virginia Community College because I was with them for two years, had to move, moved back into the area, and they actually hired me back. So I I, I was really grateful to them for that you pivoted like a pro <laughs> hey, that's, that's what army wives do you know you just get right. in there right. you figure it out i mean i i'm sorry i i'm 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 not being diverse um and i am you know not being as inclusive to the other branches but it's what i know and and i know that all other spouses you know do the same thing um, but I will say that my stint at NBC did encourage me to go back to get my master's because um, I did love being in the higher education environment, and I thought by getting my master's and teaching would give me that transferable opportunity. So I, I was I was always trying to at least be as strategic as I could um, when I was trying to pick employment opportunities. And then for, as you know, Kim, many of us, you know, we volunteer um, as spouses in the military. And some spouses don't take what they've learned or those skill sets and then take them and go to an organization like mine to to translate those volunteer experiences into work Mm -hmm. experiences. Yeah, Um, you can make a good point. I mean, that's... uh, you know, if you're, and not only because maybe you can't find, um, you know, paid employment, I mean, volunteering is good in any capacity, even when you're working, but the ability to get in some place, serve, um, you know, your fellow military spouses um, in the community, and to leverage what you're learning into a paid opportunity is a smart way to look at things a smart way to go about it, um, especially when you know, you know, three years from now, you're going someplace else. 
Well, exactly. And so what you're doing when you're work, you're volunteering at these organizations is that mm-hmm. you're getting, you know, a reference. So somebody can give you yep. a reference based off of your, you know, work. I worked for, I volunteered as a senior lead emergency and, and grief manager. Um, I was a mentor. I was a count, counselor. I was an event planner for 500 plus, you know, attendees, especially when it was the balls. I mean, you have to figure all yeah. that out. Um, team lead, guest speaker for 200 plus. I mean, that goes outside of the scope of a lot of times what a volunteer would do just at one organization. So um, I definitely say, you know, find that organization like ours that can help you translate that experience because it really is um, experience. Absolutely. And what safe places to practice those skills and to, um, you know, become really efficient in using them. A guest speaker for 200 plus, I mean, um, you know, that's a phenomenal um, place to try that skill out and to become really proficient. So I looked at your moves, Miss Denise, and I was blown away um, by, you know, how many transitions you had and just thinking about how difficult it had to be to navigate all of that, especially when you're looking for employment. Um, Can you share some of the challenges that you personally experienced as a military spouse when it came to finding employment? Yeah, so, I mean, 32 years, you know, uh, that my husband served in the military in 22 moves, and sometimes they were after six months, maybe after a year, um, and, and so what that created was several years of gaps in employment. Yeah. Um, and, and they were not just because of the frequent moves, but, you know, um, uh, remote duty stations, o- Oconus, yeah. you know, being stationed overseas. And then because of the SOFA agreement and, you know, the inability to work while you're overseas. Um, yeah. and, and actually that's primarily, especially for, Army spouses, that's why the Army Up campaign was created um, in military spouse jobs. Um, uh, Amy Rossi and Deb Kleppel understood what was happening. And I know sometimes we we think about other branches and why not us, but the Army Mm -hmm. branch is one of the largest branches. And because of those spouses being most affected, by bringing yeah. employment is why. And so sometimes people think, you know, when we talk diversity, each of the branches of the service in the military are a diverse group because they all Absolutely. have unique needs. Um, yep. And so that's a part of, you know, our uniqueness in this organization is re- recognizing, you know, the, the, the challenges um, and the inequities even inside of the branches. Right. Um, my father-in-law uh, is retired in the Army, and my mother-in-law, you know, obviously, um, Army spouse, so, um, and she worked at PX, uh, retired from the PX, and that really afforded her an opportunity to, you know, um, move with a job, but the jobs are few and far in between. You know, it's not going to be an opportunity for most people. And maybe it's not what everyone wants to do. Um, so really being able to, you know, 
get into a job is important, even for the branches to retain their military member. Those spouses have to have work. You know, exactly. And I mean, and the whole thing is, is that what makes us, which makes us as spouses have those inequities is that, you know, we trans, we transition too much. We have lack of yeah. like prolonged experience in a job, employment yeah. history. I mean, you know, I, I wish I knew about military spouse jobs, but unfortunately yeah. there are a lot of organizations that are out there to help spouses but I think that the the space has become too clouded. Okay. And and so that's why um, I'm really glad to be able to talk about our organization because our organization, we've been around since 2004. We have a holistic, one-on-one, 360-degree approach to career development and employment services. And... The other thing is we have a job board that is not the job board that, okay, you're looking for a job and it no longer exists. Right. 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 Or it hasn't even existed for eight months and it's still on the job board. Um, You know, we have two job boards. The one job board, we have over 4 million jobs on there, but the the fortunate thing about our job board is each job job that is filled drops off after 24 hours. So, you know, that is a huge service that we offer to our candidates. Um, Absolutely. And, um, you know, I was one that I would put in 10 applications a week. Um, the result was, although you're qualified, you don't meet the requirements. Job is already yep. filled, no feedback, you know, and then the overall impact is I felt defeated, unworthy, not deserving, and, you know, in some of the opportunities that I did have, they were underpaid, no promotions, yes. not vested, so no retirement. Exactly. And not being able to get that feedback, my goodness, you know, like you're saying, you put in all these applications in a week, and you want to know, like, how can I... How can I succeed? You know, what can I be doing better? Um, But not to get that is, is, yeah, demoralizing. Absolutely. Um, Now, D-E-I-A, tell us, what does it mean? Break that down for us. All right. So there's two references. It's it's a newer trend. So we know, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But but what is A? Um, You know, one it's access, and that means one's accessibility. So what is that accessibility? And then access is physical. But we, in our organization, you know, on June 24th, 2021, President Biden signed the executive order on diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the federal workforce to further advance equity within the federal government. So this executive order allowed federal agencies like ours to prioritize existing efforts in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space with the added and important dimension of accessibility. And so it is why, you know, we use accessibility and not just access because access where it relates more to physical 
with our military mm-hmm. members, it's not just physical. Um, you know, it can be post-traumatic related. It could be mental illness. Yeah. You know, it could be hearing loss, uh, visibility. So, so, so there. That that's why we chose to align more with accessibility. Wonderful. Thank you for breaking that out for us. Um, now, when I'm seeing these roles in organizations, um, I also see belonging included in that. Um, did y'all consider including that, or um, so for us? Because we're so we're different in terms of how we operate. So we have a candidate base. You know, we have, and so there's two sides. One for our organization, um, we're all independent contractors, and mm-hmm. so um, so so we don't really have a structured um, building under one roof. Um, and then be- the belonging side also as it relates to our candidates because they don't come to work with us. We try to instill that to our employers that our candidates would go to. Got you. Okay. So tell us about your role as director of DEIA initiative. Well, I have to say there were some unconscious biases I experienced even amongst my colleagues and some outside the, of the organization questioning why, you know, was I selected for this position? You know, is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm a woman? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we really need to dismantle biases and stereotypes in businesses and, and generally in life. But, you know, for me personally, I, I'm just so incredibly honored to work for an organization where, you know, the Kleppels and our board of directors recognize my professionalism, experience, and dedication to ensuring that we are equitable and inclusive in our outreach. Um, so, um, so, you know, primarily what my day looks like, um, you know, I, I always work to align with the organization. Well, traditionally in an organization, directors of diversity initiatives are aligned with an organization's HR to embed equity and inclusion into processes, right. policies, and practices which are aimed at improving, attracting, recruitment, retention, development, and the advancement of, you know, diverse workforces. Um, but, you know, our organization is in, is in unique that, again, like I was saying earlier, we don't have an HR department because we are independent contractors. Um, mm-hmm. But we do also have equitable and inclusive processes, and we do practice them, practice them, in improving ways to attract diverse independent contractors and our uh, military-affiliated candidates. Awesome. Um, And what a great irony. Um, Not that I didn't expect it, you know, that you would um, face those unconscious biases. Um, I, you know, I'm a biracial woman myself, so I, I... Friend, I, I've received it as well, um, mm-hmm. and it is it can be demoralizing in terms of your experiences and your um, abilities to have that question. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, 
but good on you that you're just charging ahead and doing the good work. I'll tell you. Well, and you know, and so that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. Um, You know, and primarily externally, you know, when we, we talk about the military community, it's not just about race and sex. Um, you know, which often when we think about diversity, that's all it's about, you know, in the, in the military community, um, you know, the white house considered, um, the, uh, veterans, um, as a diverse community. And then within those communities, there's all these sub communities, uh, within our active and veteran community. Um, you know, my job is to identify those military affiliated communities that are underserved and, you know, are seeking career and employment opportunities. Um, and then, you know, some of those underserved groups are, are minority veterans, you know, Asian, Native American, Alaskan, um, our minority veteran women, survivors, divorcees, caregivers, homeless veterans and formerly incarcerated veterans. Um, and it's unfortunate because most of these diverse groups fall in the category of a term called ALICE. And ALICE mm-hmm. is an acronym for Asset Limited Income Constraints Employed. And these are households with incomes above the federal poverty level, but below mm-hmm. the basic cost of living. Um, and, you know, that's what makes me get up every morning so that I can make sure that we are doing outreach, networking, um, being on top of diversity trends that affect military members um, as they look for career uh, services and uh, employment. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of in- intersectionality there. Um in terms of the military population, just like you said, you know, Army is not the same as Navy, Navy not the same as Air Force, and then within all those branches and the different people, you throw in, um, you know, race, gender, um, all kinds of things that just make us extremely different and diverse. Um, it's, it's a wonderful thing that your organization is doing to help. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. Um, now, there are tons of organizations, you know, nonprofit, for-profit alike, um, that are in this space. Tell us a little bit more about what sets your organization apart from other veteran employment organizations. Oh, my gosh. Is this mo- my moment to gloat? <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, okay. So again. <laughs> okay, so again. We are a holistic, so again, 360 degrees of one-on-one. That's the one thing that we do that a lot of organizations do not do, is we provide one-on-one career and employment services at no cost. So some people think, oh, no cost, that must not be you know, a worthwhile organization. No, we are just so grateful to the support of our um, partners who believe in our mission and they help support our mission. Um, but we're a one-stop shop to career development and employment. Um, we've been around since 2004. We are metrics 
space. We are one of the few organizations that we collect data on all of our candidates and where they're going. Um, we um, started tracking numbers, though. We didn't start doing that until 2010. And we just went over, I think we're almost at uh, another threshold, um, 85,000 higher since 2010. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's a pretty significant number. Um, and weekly, we get anywhere from five to 700 resumes a week. Um, and we still, even with that many uh, resumes, we still manage to communicate with every new candidate within 24 to 48 hours. Um, and the other thing is, is we only, um, every, 96 cents of every dollar we receive, uh, from our supporters goes back to the mission and our candidate. So, um, so yes, I'm, 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 if you, if you could see me now, I'm, I'm brushing our shoulders off. Yes. <laughs> I mean, 96 of every dollar, that really gives confidence to the work that you're doing. And I'll tell you, when I looked at your website, and all those stats, the fact that you receive 700 resumes a week and you still manage to communicate with all those candidates, that is what really stuck out to me. That's yeah. phenomenal that you can reach out to them within 24 to 48 hours. How many people do you have working towards that effort? So we only have approximately 120 people. Um, that do a phenomenal, a phenomenal job. And, and, and I think the reason why they do such a great job is that they understand the importance of the mission and why they've got to turn a response in 24 to 48 hours. And that's primarily they, because they know that a lot, especially during this time, a lot of veterans and spouses are in crisis because they are falling mm -hmm. within Alice. Um, yep. And so they know that they've got to help an individual put uh, food on the table. Um, and mm -hmm. that's why, you know, um, our, our, when I talk about later, you know, a team of teams, this is truly a team of teams. Um, and then just real quickly, you know, we're broken down into a, a couple of divisions. We have our career specialists that offer the one-on-one -on -one career services. They help write mm -hmm. targeted resumes, which are really critical. Well, I wish I knew that. Um, career assessments, uh, LinkedIn optimization and interviewing uh, practice. Then our training, we have uh, tiered training platforms. We have tier one, which is just for job readiness and employment mm -hmm. training. Um, tier two is our IBM Skills Build and Coursera, which are certification platforms. And then there's tier three, which is our industry skills training, certifications, and technical training with our employer partners. And then our wonderful Recruiter Connect specialist. So that's when I talk about the holistic, like from the start mm -hmm. to the end. And we meet you wherever you are, you know, in your career journey. But the amazing thing about our Recruiter Connect specialist, so we have the two job boards. We have the 4 million job board that, you know, is open really to anyone. 
But then we also have our Recruiter Connect job board. And what that job board is, um, that you have to be registered, um, but you have an inside to some really uh, wonderful jobs with our employer partner. And we have our Recruiter Connect specialists work directly with those employer recruiters. So we offer you a middle person. So once that um, resume is vetted through the career specialist, they hand it off and match that job with the Cruise Connect specialist. And then the Recruiter Connect specialist talks directly to that recruiter. And maybe if you didn't get the job, they will be able to help you with some insight as to maybe what happened. Um, and then wow, we'll what you another opportunity. That's, that's very needed and beneficial um, in order to, you know, best position yourself for the next uh, opportunity. And it's so unique that that job will drop off the board within 24 hours. That also gives confidence to people that it's a good product. You know, it's something they can trust in. Um, not they're, they're not sales jobs that are there. Exactly. You know, and the cool thing with our organization is maybe a job didn't work out six months later. We're still there with you. And although there's wonderful organizations out there, there's a lot of organizations that only, especially for our military spouses, only assist active spouses. Yeah. We help everyone whether you were you served in the military for one day you know whether you served with that soldier you were the spouse and that soldier only served one day but you were you ended up getting divorced we're still here to help you uh with your employment journey thank you for sharing that i know a lot of organizations um they have very stringent criteria on who they can help in terms of a veteran um, you know, I have to have served so much time, uh, for instance, 180 days, or have to have a specific discharge. But if I'm hearing you correctly, you're not beholden to those same standards. Exactly. And that was very important to the Admiral and Deb um, as to why sometimes we don't accept federal funding because there are... Yeah. Um, um, regulations of who you can provide services to. That's phenomenal information to be able to share with people. Um, very inclusive, you know? Um, exactly. So how do you support employers seeking veteran candidates? Tell us about that. So the one thing that we have is we do have an employer team. Um, one employer team can always go to our website and check out our services. Um, but if we have an employer that needs that additional assistance, um, we do have an employer team um, and our recruiters um, who uh, our employers can talk to directly. Um, but the one other thing that we offer to employers is that, you know, we have one of the largest and most diverse candidate pools um, and this is really vital to federal contractors who have to meet a certain diversity quota. Um, so mm -hmm. our candidates are skilled, vetted, and ready. Um, and, you know, oftentimes employers are paying thousands of dollars 
for positions for military recruiters and liaisons. And, you know, for us, you know, at a minimal and sometimes not even in any piece, um, we're able to help employers, especially uh, organizations that are smaller organizations, you know, we're really um, uh, set up to really help uh, those employers. Nice. Now, since 2020, there's been a greater push um, in the employment scene for more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workforces. Um, how has that job been working with employers to help promote those efforts through hiring veterans? Well, you know, it's mostly not about diversity. It's, it really is the skills that all veterans bring to an organization. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, character traits, you know, not just veterans, but military spouses and those who are loyal, you know, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, personal courage, you know, resilience and longevity. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, what employers are getting when they hire um, military-affiliated veterans and spouses. And, you know, again, we work with employers to ensure that, you know, they are offering equitable employment opportunities, um, salary and promotion opportunities. You know, we just don't accept any employer. You know, we do have a conversation with them to make sure that, hey, this is who our candidate base is. You know, are you meeting our criteria as an employer? Yes. especially as we talk about, you know, inclusivity. Absolutely. There needs to be some reciprocity there. They're getting exactly. some great candidates, like you said, um, you know, and the ones that can pivot. They can they exactly. can go with the punches and go with the change, you know. Um, so any employer can benefit from that on their team. Um, so share with us the work you're doing at that job to position veterans joining the civilian workforce as part of diversity and inclusion hiring programs? So, I mean, simply for us, you know, our, our diversity candidate numbers align with the de- uh, the Department of Defense. You know, sometimes we might be a little bit more, they might be a little bit more, um, but, you know, we are so fortunate that as, you know, these amazing veterans who have served or are still serving, whether they're reservists, National Guard, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 Department of Defense already has initiatives for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and so for us to kind of marry off the DOD and the amazing soldiers who have served to come into our organization when we're already aligned with those numbers, mm-hmm. um, but to be able to reap the benefits of you know those who have served. Um, you know, it is definitely a win-win for us and the employer. Sure. Ms. Denise, many of our members at Direct Employers are federal contractors, and veteran hiring programs are at the core of their hiring programs. Now, for those members looking to expand their efforts to illustrate their programs in inclusive culture, what would you recommend to them? So I would definitely say creating a corporate culture of inclusivity and diversity, you know, this has to be included in hiring practices, performance reviews, 
promotions and benefits. And, and mm-hmm. I think the result that um, uh, companies will get from that is increased opportunities for creativity and problem solving, proven increase um, in profits, uh, a proven increase in profits and productivity, and then reduced rates for employer turnover. Nice. So then how could employers make veterans feel welcomed and accepted? This is back to our kind of belonging question. What could they do? Well, I kind of stole this one from military.com article, um, but, but it really is true. Give them the tools. Veterans leave the military with highly trained skills. They have extensive mm-hmm. training and resources to be effective. So employers need to continue that and often forget to offer those that type of training, not, of course, military standards, but mm-hmm. um, relevant to their organization, but offer, the, the, offer adequate training and resources. And then include the family. As you know, Kim, you know, when we have those opportunities to meet, you know, other people that, you know, our, our loved one is working with, you know, in those company events, or, um, and then definitely consideration if there is a transfer and the needs of the family. And then I would definitely say, um, you know, let them think. Veteran employees and spouses are trained to think. Um, you know, and, and organizations will flourish um, when there's those increased opportunities for creativity and problem solving. I love that you added that. <laughs> Say that again, Denise. Say that last line again. <laughs> Let them think. Amen. <laughs> Let them have some autonomy because you're right. They have a lot to offer. We have a lot to offer. Exactly. Um, <laughs> as a job speaker, one of the first steps in evaluating an employer is to review their career site. Um, what do you suggest that employers provide on their site? stand out to potential veteran candidates? Well, I mean, again, you know, when we talk about accessibility, accessibility isn't necessarily visual. You know, many of our veterans have hidden accessibility constraints that can affect how they perform in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, So oftentimes our veterans won't disclose that they have, you know, either mental health, hearing, seeing, PTSD, so I think how employers can help um, and how they can promote accessibility and inclusive inclusivity um, by in their job descriptions. They can say okay. quiet zones, um, mm-hmm. mobility not required, offering assistive li- listening devices or, or, you know, visibility. You know, using those types of words um, that, mm-hmm. that creates an in- inclusivity before they even take a job. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I would also say, too, uh, and it's kind of hard, um, but I just would say the mindset sometimes of employers um, and who they're uh, hiring, because um, I, I do like to talk just quickly about veterans who are 60 and older. We're mm-hmm. having a longer living community, and, and this is a diverse mm-hmm. community. But a lot of those individuals are falling into Alice because now they have to go back to work um, after retirement. 
Um, and, and I definitely say is, is that our employers need to be um, inclusive to, uh, and I don't want to call them senior community because I'm about to be one of those people, but I mm-hmm. mean, I still have a lot to give. Yeah. And, um, you know, you say inclusive marketing, the imagery in that marketing, it helps to inform, you know, what that veteran population looks like. I think the average age for a military veteran in Southern Florida, where I'm at, is in the 40s, like mid-40s um, average age. But employers typically have this idea that it's a young, strapping, you know, male um, veteran. So it really will be important, you know, that imagery is going to be important um, to be inclusive to veterans. And it also informs employers what that veteran population looks like. I know a lot of imagery, I still see, I still see a lot of imagery appealing to veterans and they're in uniform. Well, I'm a veteran. That doesn't really, it doesn't appeal to me. What are you portraying on your website that makes me feel that I belong? And I think that that's really, really important on um, what companies need to do. And that doesn't actually have to be, you know, on the res- or a job description. It could be, how do I make myself feel like I belong in your organization? And that, that is simply through uh, marketing and imagery. Absolutely. Okay, so now we've gone to the fun rapid-fire question time. <laughs> I'm going to go through a series of short, fun questions before ending today's conversation. So all you have to do is say the very first thing that comes to your mind, Ms. Denise. Okay. Number one, most memorable life experience. Bar none, having my children, even though it was painful, oh, yeah. but having my children. <laughs> yes, I can relate. Okay. Number two, best career advice you ever received. Team of teams. It's not one person. you got to work together. Mm, absolutely. No, I am team. Okay. Number three, favorite city you lived in while growing up? Well, that was at least one place the whole time, so I would say West Point. West Point. All right. Next, how do you start your day? All right, so Admiral McCravens, if you've ever had an opportunity to listen to his talk, he said, always start off by making your bed, because if you make your bed every morning, you will at least have one thing you accomplished. Okay. And I make my bed. Wonderful. All right. Who is your inspiration and why? Well, personally, my parents and my children, but professionally, Deb Kleppel. I mean, she is tiny, but she's mighty, Mm -hmm. and her passion and commitment to this organization and those we serve is so admirable. I don't know if she ever sleeps. She thinks outside Mm -hmm. of the box, and at this time, you know, I've known her. You know, she's done all of this while, you know, dealing with her own, you know, health issues. Um, and she's incredible, reverse them because she knows that she's got a mission to do. Um, so, so she truly is inspiring. Wow. And I'm sure she's giving you tools, including your family, and letting you think if you seem this please. Yes, work life balance. There you go. So, I, I, 
so grateful to speak with you today. Um, your insight, your expertise, experiences, I know that it's going to benefit many people that are going to listen to this conversation, both veterans, spouses, active duty and alike. Um, you know, and there's no arguing that veterans are a crucial element of your diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, my goodness. Um, and, you know, they bring unique skills, viewpoints, and perspectives to the table. I so want to thank you again, Ms. Denise, um, for joining the DE Talk podcast. With all of the resources that Jobs offers, I highly encourage our listeners to get in touch with the team at Vet Jobs and Military Spouse Jobs and utilize these services, y'all. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, Ms. Denise, how would they do that? Um, yes, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I'm always happy to talk to employers as, you know, they're working through, you know, their decisions and, and diversity initiatives. So you can definitely reach out to me um, at uh, through my email at dlewis at militaryspousejobs.org or they can call me at 252-621-3690. Wonderful. Are you on LinkedIn as well? Oh, yeah. Start it. Mm-hmm. They can find you on LinkedIn as well. And um, I'll yeah. share this on my LinkedIn so your image will be on there so they'll be able to easily find you. You may get a lot of connection requests. Perfect. Perfect. Well, a shout out again to Shannon. Get well soon. We miss you. Um, but yeah. this was a wonderful experience and so great to um, tell them you. Yeah, same, same. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the DE Talk podcast. Stay connected with direct employers on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And subscribe to our emails by visiting directemployers.org slash subscribe to receive notifications of new episodes, webinars, events, and more.